All right, so uh, as Will mentioned, I am Jim from Up the Hill, the mothership we refer to it as in our staff meetings. I am uh, Jim Genesee, the senior pastor, and it's good to get back in the rotation here at Connection. It's a delight to be here. This is always a spirit-filled room and spirit-filled service, and it's great to be part of it with you. It's always great to be able to share with Will and the band Glad that they're here Sunday after Sunday, and I'm not sure. I see Lisa in the back. Are you back there, Lisa? Yeah, wave your hands. Give it up for Lisa in the back. It, she's great. Although she hated that because the best day of somebody running the soundboard is that no one turns around and looks at you, right, Lisa? That's what you want. It is, uh, it's a joy to be able to share in God's Word this morning, and as we begin to do so, we're going to take a look in Matthew chapter 25. We've been doing some teaching and preaching on the parables of Jesus, and this is one of those. This comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 and following. And if you will, follow along, and then when we get to the end, I'm going to ask you to join in with reading aloud on one key verse. So let's read together. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I couldn't have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. 
To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hey, Lisa, let me get you to go back one to that verse 29 on that screen. There you go. Let's read that aloud together. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Let's pray. Gracious God, open our minds to these words and open our hearts to the living word of Christ that we may be changed today and forever. Amen. Se ha hecho placas aquí antes. Se ha hecho placas aquí antes. I grew up in South Florida, surrounded by Spanish culture. Many Latin American friends. I was listening to Spanish radio, watching Spanish TV. I worked in places where I was surrounded with Spanish-speaking customers. I took Spanish in high school. I took some more Spanish when I went to university. Spanish was everywhere. But, in fact, about the only thing I can remember from all that immersion in my years of Spanish is, se ha hecho placas aquí antes. It's a phrase I learned when I was in college and I was working in a radiology department at a hospital. Se ha hecho placas aquí antes means, have you had x-rays here before? A very important phrase to know in a radiology department and of little value anywhere else in your life. You see, I didn't use my Spanish and I lost it. God has given each one of us talents that we are to use in the service of the kingdom of God. And if we don't use them, we will lose them. You know, we talk about God-given talents all the time, but I'm not really sure if we understand what we really mean by God-given talents. Everything we are, everything we have, it all comes from God. It's all a gift from the Lord. That's a very important part of this morning's story. The master had called his servants together. He was heading out on a trip and he was leaving some things in their care. Specifically, he was leaving some money. Your Bibles may say talents or minas or dinars or pounds. However it is, he left them a bag of silver according to the translation we were just reading. And he wanted them to do some good with it while he was gone. Of course, today, a talent refers to some ability we have. It could be singing. It could be athletics. It could be business. Whatever it is you are skilled at, we think of that as a talent, something you do. Now, in our story, we have three different persons that fall out 
in terms of what they do in response to their master. The first guy takes his five bags of silver and he invests it. Invested in high yield, probably high risk stocks, but he makes a mint. He doubles his money, bringing back five additional bags of silver. And then we have the second guy. He takes his two bags, probably a little more cautious, he puts it in mutual funds. But he still does okay, he doubles that money and he brings back two bags of silver. The third guy takes his bag and he stuffs it in the mattress. He puts it in a jar and a hole and buries it in the ground. And that's the lesson we have. The one who did nothing is punished and the ones who did something are rewarded. Now remember, a parable is a story of comparison told by Jesus to draw us in to the conversation. We are to identify the characters in the story and to identify with the characters in the story. Now in this parable, the man who goes on the journey, the master, well, that's obviously Jesus, right? And the servants, the ones who were given the gifts, well, that's us. So here we have this story about the master Jesus going away and the servants, us, being given a task to fulfill while he is gone. And when the master returns and he will come back, he's going to want an account for what we did while he was gone. If it's properly used, that time, the resources, well, we're going to get an attaboy from the master. If not, not so good. Note that the ones who receive the reward are never promised a reward. They are given a gift simply because they did what their master asked. That was just part of what they were expected to do. This is not a merit system. This is pure grace. It's also interesting to note that the reward for a job well done is what? More work, more responsibility. Here's a hard truth if you haven't learned this yet. If you do well in your career, and you succeed, and people like what you're doing, you're going to get rewarded with more work, more responsibility. You don't get a vacation because if you're good at it, people are going to keep piling on and piling on. But that's what we're supposed to do. In this case, we need to remember that we in the story are not hired. We are servants, and our goal is to please our master. Now, part of the reward also includes the praises that the master welcomes his servants with to share in his happiness. In a biblical sense, we would say that we get to participate in the kingdom of God. Also note that equal achievement of all three of these guys was not demanded. The master didn't say, you've got to reach this goal. This is your target for the month. Nothing like that. All the master expected was their best effort. And that's what was responded to. They were graded on effort, not on results. I've got to admit, though, that this story always bothered me because of what happens to the third servant. 
the one who hid his money under the mattress, the one who buried it in a jar in the ground in the backyard. I'm bothered by it because, I don't know, he's just playing it safe, right? He didn't want to put his neck out for somebody else's resources, so he was playing it safe. Mr. Conservative, and I guess that's why this story bothers me, because that's me. Like, not wanting to risk, want to be real careful with my resources, with what's going on. I see that in myself, and I see that in some of y'all. And that's why the story perplexes me so much, because I thought he was just playing it safe. And is that really such a bad thing to do? Well, the answer is yeah. Playing it safe is usually not a good idea. Any good coach will tell you that if you try to play it safe to keep from losing, you're probably gonna lose the game. You witness that all weekend if you watch any football at all. The prevent defense usually doesn't prevent anything except you winning. So in this case, the guy maybe should have been a little more risk-oriented because playing it safe doesn't result in achievement, whether it's in sports or whether it's in business or whether it's in the kingdom of God. This guy should have at least put his money in the first bank of Jerusalem with Will so that he could have got that great 0.5% interest that Will's bank is offering right now. But he made no effort whatsoever. And playing it safe, he lost what he had to begin with. The master trusted that the talents that he was offering would be used in his service. And when they weren't, he goes on and finds somebody else to carry on the work. Now these servants were to use these talents, these gifts, in the period between when the master was there and he goes away and comes back. The time between Jesus leaving and Jesus coming back. That time for y'all, for me, for us. That time is now. Jesus has left. He's coming back. And when he does, he's going to want to know, what did you do with everything I gave you while I was gone. See, we're given the task of using our talents for the kingdom of God. When Jesus returns, we're going to have to give account for that, of what we have done with the gifts He has given. Use it or lose it. Now, over the years, this congregation has been a church which has been willing to do something with what God has entrusted in our hands. This is a church that doesn't just talk the talk, it walks the walk and reaches out to others. Our church is a church that has faith with feet. Nevertheless, I wonder if we're doing everything that we can do, if we're really pushing it, if we're really risking enough for the sake of the kingdom. Whether we're all in or not, when it comes to reaching beyond ourselves for the kingdom of God is the question. Are we investing in God's kingdom or are we hiding our talents so the world can't see them? You know, it's fashionable these days
to blame a lot of things on the government. Some people think the government is too involved in our lives. Other people think the government doesn't do enough to help people and deal with our lives. Either way, the blame is placed on somebody in Washington or somebody in Jackson when maybe, just maybe, the responsibility is a little closer to home. Much of the blame for the problems of our world, I'm afraid, lie largely with the church. For centuries, it was the people of God who stood up and took care of the poor and the needy, who reached out to those who were hungry, those who needed places to live, the people who were desperate for love. Church did that. Government wasn't involved with that at all. However, the last several decades or so, as the government has picked up extra responsibilities, people of the church have backed off. And we've defaulted our responsibility to be the light in the world for God. In effect, we've given up what God has asked us to do. Now, I'm not talking here about using money, bags of silver. That's another sermon for another day. What I'm talking about is doing something, action. So often it seems as though we take our faith, we can it, we preserve it, we put it on the shelf, and we look at it. This is great. Look at our faith. It's up there. But we don't do anything with it. It's all about us. It's about me. It's about my relationship with the Creator, not about our relationship with the Creator, so we think. But in fact, we're all in this together. Our goal is to help make disciples of Jesus Christ. We do that by investing in the world and the people of the world, not serving ourselves. Jesus has granted his family, the church, so many extraordinary gifts. Together, we can teach children. We can feed the hungry. We can take care of the poor. We can help take care of the sick. So many things. We can be the life of Jesus out in the world. But we don't use our talents to the fullest. We let other people handle that. The government's going to take care of that. That group, that nonprofit's going to take care of it. They're going to help. It's not their responsibility. It's our responsibility. If you look through this book, there are hundreds and hundreds of verses that call us to take care of widows and orphans, the poor and the needy. We have no excuse for not doing that. We let others worry about those things while we sit in padded seats in an air-conditioned room and sing songs of praise to a God whose heart is breaking. Shame on us. Will has heard me mention one of my old school singer-songwriters before, a guy named Don Francisco. And I don't even, I guess he's still alive. I'm not even sure, Will. He's, he's holed up somewhere in Colorado, I think. Uh, but in a song he wrote called The Steeple Song, he makes a point of bringing this alive to the people of God, the church. A couple of the verses, this is what he says. 
I don't care if your pastor's super powered and your program's always new. What you need are love and truth. and Men are going to come to you. It doesn't matter if you know the Bible, if it's all just in your head. The thing I need to ask is, have you done the things I've said? Do you love your wife? For her and for your children, are you laying down your life? What about the others? Are you living as a servant to your sisters and your brothers? Do you make the poor man beg you for a bone? Do the widow and the orphan cry alone? I don't care if you pray for miracles. I don't care if you speak in tongues. I don't care if you said you love me in every song you've sung. It doesn't matter if your sacrifice of praise is loud enough to raise the dead. The thing I need to ask is have you done the things I said? So have we? Well, I think in large part for our church, we can say yes, at least we make a good effort. But are we doing all that we can? There's always something else that calls for our attention, calls for our service and our ministry. We're headed in the right direction, but if we're not faithful to fully use all the talents God has given us to enact that faith with feet, then God will take that away from us. Use it or lose it. And then there's this application for us as the people of God, the church. What do we do with those things that God has given us? How do we make sure that the kingdom of God prospers as God works in us and through us? We have talents, and they're given to us individually and differently for each and every one of us. But every one of us is just as important as the other. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a gift is prophesying, Prophesied, Bill. <laughs> that's, that's good timing. If a gift is prophesying, let them use it in proportion to their faith. If it is serving, let them serve. If it is teaching, let them teach. If it is encouraging, let them encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. You know, if you look at the cover of any sports magazine this time of year, what kind of picture are you going to find on the cover? A quarterback, maybe a running back, or a wide receiver. They are the stars, the champions. They're the ones in the run for the Heisman. But none of those guys would be on the cover if it weren't for the guys you never see, the guys in the trenches, the linemen. They are there in order to help others succeed. Church is kind of like that. It's almost kind of like football, and it, it's a team sport. Team sport, we're in this together. Every position is important, not just the star ones. No one can do everything, nor should you try, but everyone should do something. The ministry of the church is made possible as we exercise the individual gifts God has given each one of us. Think about your own gifts. What has God given you? And I'm not talking about skills that you can learn. I'm talking about God-given gifts. 
We can't all be preachers. Thank God. Somebody needs to have a gift of listening. But something is inside of you. God has given you a call, an opportunity. Do you like to work with kids? Maybe you can help teach children or help mentor teenagers through the church or through the community. Do you have a gift of hospitality? Do you like welcoming people? Well, here at Connection on Sunday mornings, you could come early and set up the coffee and greet people and welcome them to worship. Do you have an interest in music? I'm guessing that God and probably will would be glad to talk to you and maybe plug you into the worship team in some way, shape, or form. You like tech? Well, Lisa can always use an extra set of hands and Parker would love to talk with you about ways to plug into the media ministry of our church. If you have a gift of service, of compassion, well, then the, our church has many opportunities to reach out to those around us, to use our hands and our feet to make the world a better place for Jesus. For example, Lori's in the back. Christian World Mission is one great example for you to be able to reach out into our community and our world. Each of us is called to do something. You're here for a reason. God has placed you in the midst of great needs and he wants each of us to do something with the gifts he has given. You know, serving God can be a risky business, but the return on investment is phenomenal. And this parable serves as a warning to us that if we don't use the talents that God has given us, they're going to be taken away. And they're going to be given to someone else. And one day we're going to wake up and say, hey, where did it go? Well, God's putting it to use somewhere. But this parable is also a blessing to us because it serves to tell us about the grace of God who gives such good gifts in the first place for use in his kingdom. It's a tale of reward for those who serve faithfully in the kingdom of heaven. Listen to verse 29 again. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But to those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Use it or lose it. The choice is up to us. By God's grace, may we choose wisely. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are the giver of all good gifts. You've given us the very best gift of all in your son, Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that today. We gather in the name of that gift. But Lord, you've also given each and every one of us an opportunity to serve to turn around and be channels of your grace to the world. So we ask that right here and right now, you open up our hearts, crack them open if necessary, pour your spirit into us, and then pour your spirit through us so that not only may we be changed, but the world around us may be changed by your love. We pray this in the name and for the sake of Jesus. Amen.